Chapter 19 Roisin threw her suitcase onto the rack above her head, then flopped down on the carriage seat beside Mary. Kevin sat opposite them, and the rest of the train carriage filled up with noisy youth club members whose excitement was mounting as they prepared to set out on their long trip westwards. They were in Kingsbridge Station from where the train would bring them to Galway City. In Galway, they would transfer to a coach that would take them through the wilds of Connemara to their final destination outside Clifton. Settle down, everyone, said Mr Cox good-humouredly. You have a whole week to let your hair down. You don't have to go wild in the first ten minutes. There was a slight toning down of the boisterous mood, and Roisin allowed the chatter and the laughter to flow over her. Kevin and Mary were talking animately, and for a moment, Roisin let her mind wander. She could see Dennis O'Sullivan with his cronies, Terry Lawless and Pather Feeney, a little further down the carriage. What would they think if they knew Dennis was an informer? Not that she would tell them. Apart from Aunt Nula and Mary and Kevin, she hadn't revealed the secret to anybody. And seeing as she hadn't been taken in for questioning herself, it seemed that Dennis had kept his part of the bargain and had said nothing about her. But the fact that he was a collaborator added tension to an already strained relationship, and Roisin, Kevin and Mary had resolved to be extra careful whenever Dennis was around. She looked at her friends now and thought how lucky she was to have such good pals. It would be the first holiday any of them had taken without parents or guardians, and Kevin and Mary had both admitted to being slightly nervous as well as excited. Roisin knew that she too would miss Aunt Nula, who was catching a later train to Mayo to take her own holidays while Roisin was at camp. Looking down the carriage, Roisin's gaze fell on Dennis. Just then he looked up. Holding her gaze, he smirked and winked at her. Roisin immediately looked away, irritated by his attitude, and she sensed that things between them were far from settled. Well, she would deal with that when she had to, she decided. Putting Dennis out of her head, she heard a whistle blow. There was a final flurry of activity on the platform. Then, with a mild jolt, the train started forward. All the youth club members cheered, and Rosine smiled at Kevin and Mary. On our way at last, said Kevin excitedly. On our way, agreed Rosine. Here's to a great week. The August sunshine flooded in through the carriage window, and Dennis felt its warmth upon his shoulders. The Yanks are such hypocrites, he said. This stuff about America fighting for freedom, it's for the birds. How do you mean, asked Terry Lawless. Exactly what I said, answered Dennis assuredly. Their stream train was stopped in Athlone to take on coal and water, and Dennis was enjoying the attention of several boys who sat around him in the carriage listening to his views. Using some of the cash provided by criminal commissar Voggs, Dennis had bought sweets for the journey, and his popularity had risen when he had shared his treats with those around him. The Americans aren't out for freedom, lads, said Dennis. They're out for themselves, like everybody else. If they really believed everyone should be equal and free, they'd have had that in their own country. But isn't America called the land of the free, asked Terry. That's what they call it, said Dennis. It's not what it is. The Yanks talk about how the Nazis treat the Jews, but look how they treat their own people. Americans who are black have to sit on the different park benches, can't eat in white restaurants, even have to use separate toilets. Dennis had memorised all of this from a newspaper article, but he was careful not to let it sound like he was parroting somebody else's views. He could see that the other boys were taken by what he was saying, and he was gratified. At the same time, he had to be careful. It was one thing claiming each country was out for its own gain, as each person should be if they, he was smart, but he didn't want to appear too pro-Nazi. All I'm saying, lads, is that the Germans, the English, the Russians, the French, they do what's best for themselves. So forget the goody-goody talk from the Allies. So the Americans didn't even enter the war till they were attacked at Pearl Harbor. Dennis saw some of the boys nodding, and he was pleased that his arguments had swayed them. 
He thought it was important to establish that things weren't black and white and that there were no obvious good guys. That way, if word got out that he had been working for the Germans, it needn't be such a big deal. Not that he was unduly worried. His threat to Roisin Tierney had clearly worked, and she hadn't revealed that he was reporting to criminal commissar Fox. Thinking about Fox, Dennis was relieved to be taking a break from the Gestapo man. Fox paid like clockwork, but Dennis still found him a bit intimidating. In fairness, though, the German had agreed that Dennis could skip his Sunday night report tomorrow and would instead resume when the week's holiday in Connemara was over. Meanwhile, things weren't standing still. Dennis had been really annoyed with Roisin Tierney and had decided to give her name to Vogs at their last meeting. He told the German that he had heard she and her aunt might be anti-Nazi. Nothing definite, but a discreet check, checking of the flat files might be worthwhile. Dennis had reckoned that if anything was in order, if everything was in order, then there was no harm done. Whereas if anything showed up, he would have something concrete to use against her. He looked forward to getting an answer, either way, when he returned to Dublin. For now, though, he would savour his well-earned break and he dismissed Roisin Tierney from his thoughts and reached into his haversack. He took out a bag of chocolate toffees and looked at the other boys. All right, lads, he said playfully, knowing this move would cement his popularity. Is there anyone here who could tackle a chocolate sweet? Mary watched the sun setting on Clifton Bay, its last rays bathing the scene in a golden glow. The youth club members had reached the campsite late that afternoon and pitched their tents in the grounds of Westwind Estate. The estate had a large manor house that took guests and a small shop that sold basic groceries and homemade soft drinks to the campers that flocked there in the summer. The site had particular spectacular views over the Atlantic Ocean that shimmered now in the light of the dipping red sun. Mary was pleased to be sharing a tent with Roisin, but for the moment she wanted to be alone with her thoughts. She had headed down the sloping fields towards the sea and sat out, sat on an outcrop of rock, eager to open the letter that Mr Cox had delivered to her tent. The youth club leader had joked that Mary must be the apple of someone's eye to receive a letter that would have been posted before she had even left home. Mary had simply smiled, recognising her father's handwriting and knowing that the letter had indeed been posted before she left home. She read through it again now, admiring the clever way Dad had written it so that it sounded like he was a friend rather than her father. The letter had been sealed, but on the off chance of it being read by someone other than Mary, he had phrased everything ambiguously and kept it short. The essence of the message... However, it was that his departure had been brought forward and he would be leaving tomorrow night. He had suggested seeing Mary one last time at six o'clock tomorrow at the ruins of Clifton Castle. Mary lowered the letter and tried to come to terms with her feelings. On the one hand, she was looking forward to the holiday with her friends and she was pleased to have the chance to say last goodbye to Dad. But there was no knowing when she would see him again and she would miss him badly though. She tried to console herself that when he was in Iceland, he would be in less danger than when working with the resistance in Ireland. The reality, though, was that matters were out of her hands and she just had to make the best of it. So she would try to enjoy the camp and she would make certain that Dennis O'Sullivan didn't cross paths with Dad tomorrow. After that, she would take things a day at a time. Satisfied to have reached some sort of decision, she slipped the letter into her pocket, slid slid down off the outcrop of the rock and walked back through the warm summer dusk.